around the world and coast to coast. This is the Phil Nason Show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Phil Nason Show. Welcome to the Phil Nason Show. I'm so happy to have you here. We'll be here for as long as it takes. Today we're going to turn the tables. Rather than talk about blowouts like the one we saw in Boston on Friday night, we're going to talk baseball. But first of all, I want to thank Bovada and the Dollar Shave Club for sponsoring this program, making it what it is. I want to thank Armed Forces Radio and Max Sports Channels and the 405 Media for airing this show. And I want to thank my guest for being the tremendous mentor that he has been to me from Lenny Melnick, FantasySports.com. Please welcome Lenny Melnick to the show. What's up, dude? You are in the house. Are you sure you want to talk baseball with both Minnesota and Milwaukee in first place in their divisions? I'm not sure. Maybe we could. How about a little badminton or maybe uh, sumo wrestling? Something, because I'm not sure what's going on with baseball. I'm not so sure either, but uh, I was really fascinated by the basketball game last night. But not to mention the fascinating things I've been seeing in baseball, like as far as pitching goes. I mean, uh, you've yeah. seen some things here. Yep, they call it the crapshoot. If you take a look at the best pitchers in Major League Baseball without, uh, you know, you got the Scherzer and Kershaw uh, and and Chris Sale, but I mean, there are some pitchers that are throwing the ball a lot better than we had ever expected, and uh, there are some good pitchers that are just not doing it, like uh, Julio Turan. And uh, you know, look, it's always been a crapshoot with pitching, and of course, you you know, how many people? said at the beginning of the year, well, the New York Mets are going to challenge Washington because of their great pitching staff, right? How many how many people said at the beginning of the year the central division in the American League is going to be controlled and dominated by that great pitching staff in Cleveland? How many people said at the beginning of the year that the Yankees had no shot because they had no pitching. All right, well, there you go. That's, that's just part of what's going on in baseball. Well, there you go. Let's start with the Cleveland Indians. What's happening with that pitching staff? Because that's a big focal point. A lot of people are talking about the Cleveland Indians here in Akron, Ohio. They say this team is not what they should be. And I said, what are you kidding me? They're getting their strikeouts, but they're just giving up too many runs. Well, yeah, and their rotation, when I last looked, which was a day or two ago, 15 and 18, they had the highest ERA in the American League, just over five. Uh, and you're right, they allowed, uh, what, over 125 runs. That's the most in the American League, uh, 220 innings. That's basically the uh, what everybody has. But I'll tell you what, man, this is just uh, the rotation. In spite of the fact that they are far from dominant, they're not doing well. It's, Cle- it's keeping Cleveland out of first place in that division. Uh, they rank second in the American League in strikeouts, seventh in hits, twelfth uh, in walks. So they're striking out a lot of batters. They are not walking a lot of batters. And uh, it indicates that the rotation uh, is really not in trouble. It's just not what it, uh, it's supposed to be, led by, of course, uh, Corey Kluber on the DL, Carrasco on the DL, you got Salazar, who I'll tell you what, a couple of weeks ago, two starts ago, he had a 7-3 a to three lead in the third inning. And, uh, you know, as they try to break the house down. Okay, let's see who's calling here. Okay, hold on a second. I'll be back to you in a few minutes. Okay. 
Uh, no, not you. I'm talking about the caller. Okay, because yeah, I, okay? I can carry a show without you for a few no, minutes. No, I necessary. don't even want. I can't carry the caller. That's for sure right now. So, <laughs> caller will call me back. Good. So anyway, that's what uh, basically that's what's going on with the Indians. And in spite of that, they're still in the hunt. But uh, you know what else? You know, talk about Cleveland. And I know the show is heard by a lot of people in Cleveland. Go out and support your team. Now, I know a couple of years, you know, I know, look, it was a perfect storm. You know, it's not the same uh, in baseball. The, it seems like the major league teams are not really that interested in who comes to the ballpark anymore. It's, uh, you know, people are streaming it on uh, on their cell phones and, and on their computers and the whole deal. And uh, But I remember Cleveland, I was there in 97 for the All-Star game. I will also be there in 2018 for the All-Star game. Uh, and I was there last year. I, and I, Cleveland and St. Louis, the two towns, where as you watch the kids come to the ball game, every single kid has a glove, every single kid has a uh, Cleveland hat or a Cleveland shirt. It's uh, it's really great to go to the Indians games. But last year, big disappointment. I mean, their their ticket sales, uh, season tickets are around thirteen thousand, which means you need about fifteen or sixteen thousand to sell out walk ups. Come on, support your ball club. They deserve it. They've got a good team out there. Well, they do. You know, one of the things that I found, one of the things I, I'm learning anyway, the 6 o'clock starts early in the season kill people because they don't get out of work until 5. Traffic is heinous down there. Plus, there's a parking situation, not to mention the fact that the Cleveland Cavaliers are pretty good, and they sell out tickets too. And there's just not enough dollars to go around. Plus, you're dealing with a lot of unemployment in the outlying areas outside of Cleveland and inside Cleveland for that matter. So it's like a perfect storm. Like you said, they just don't have the money and 13 grand for a season ticket is very steep price to pay for the Cleveland Indians or for any baseball team in an economically depressed society such as this area, I think. Well, it was 13,000. That's the season ticket population. So, uh, you know, they did a lot of walk-ups but you're right, the perfect storm. It used to be that the Cleveland Cavaliers were the doormats. There was nothing else going on. The economy has been hit. Uh, but and, and the stadium was new, you know, a brand-new stadium. I know they changed the name, but when it was Jacobs Field, it was a novelty. Go to the ballpark. All that has been tempered. Uh, the enthusiasm a little down. you got to get, uh, you know, Don Manningly complains in Miami. Uh, about the lack of energy, lack of enthusiasm. He says it's a dead team. Well, don't you Cleveland fans uh, 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 not give the energy? The team, when the, the team has got a losing record at home when I last looked, and that's a shame. So come to the ballpark, give the energy that's required for the home team to really get that extra boost. And uh, look, they're doing it. I mean, Andrew Miller's killing it. Cody Allen's killing it. Uh, who, I forget the name of the other. Who's the third guy? He's there. The bullpen is Dan killing Otero? it. Not Dan Otero. Uh, but these, the starting pitchers are the guys that are just not carrying their weight. So uh, we've got to get back into the Cleveland Bowl game. Oh, I'm sorry. Boone Logan. No, you got to be sorry again. His name just escapes me. Uh, give me a break. One of the best. Got a one. I can tell you, ZRA is one seventy-seven. I'm just his name is escaping me. Oh, Brian He's, Shaw. Yeah, Brian Shaw. There you go. Right. Yeah. I was right about a ZRA. Couldn't remember. You his nailed name. that. That's a yeah. good thing that you nailed that ERA <laughs> thing. But you know something? When you look at the starting pitching staff, and people say, "Well, well, something's wrong with them." They have in forty games played. 
they have 398 strikeouts as a yeah. unit, as a pitching yeah. staff. Yeah, so it's right That's there. That's 10 per nine innings. Relax. Well, another thing with the Indians, they didn't hit the ball early. They're starting to come around a little bit now, so they'll be fine. But uh, pitchers, Jose Barrios, people are talking about him. A lot of people are talking about him. He's only allowed four hits in his and fifteen innings pitched, fifteen point two innings pitched this season, Lenny. What's up with this guy, Jose Barrios? Well, a rookie is a rookie is a rookie. When I saw him, we're last gonna get into that later. Yeah, Come I on, know. you're you're stepping up my lines. Well, he was a rookie last year, so he's a rookie this year too. So you got the situation with Barrios. When I saw him last year, uh, look, I you know very clear from the scouting reports that he had the goods, he had the tools, but he was mentally intimidated. Uh, by Major League Baseball, he really wasn't ready. And um, when he comes, when he gets on the mound now, and of course last year, what do you have? Uh, like 14 starts, his ERA was over eight. He had 35 walks. I know that in just under 60 innings. Uh, and then he makes his debut in Cleveland uh, back on the 13th, I believe. He allowed one run, two hits, one walk, pitched into the eighth inning, and then last Thursday, uh, he was even better. He posted a career high in strikeouts. I forget what they were, but here's the thing. This is what I didn't see in Berrios uh, last year. Didn't even come close. He looked like he was nervous. He couldn't get his game together. You can in Major League Baseball, you can only get so far on talent. The rest of the game is uh, is the tool case. You know, so many prospects, they have all the tools. They got the tools. They got the pail. They got the shovel. They got the chisel. They got the hammer. <laughs> but they got – could you imagine having all the tools – about you know, 9, 10, 11, 12, but you don't have a tool case to carry him in. In Major League Baseball, you can have all the tools, but you need the brain. That's the tool case to carry them in. And here's what he did. What I noticed makes a, uh, uh, somebody got him the tool case. He, uh, in allowing the one run and two hits, he was so good that he got his first pitch strike over 21 out of 27 times. He didn't even come close to that last year. In Major League Baseball, you start getting your first strike over and pitchers get ahead of the count. It gives them a lot of confidence to go with some of their other stuff. It's really a big deal. It's really a big deal, and he showed me a lot just by getting that first pitch strike. If he continues to get that first pitch strike over, and there were some, I mean, even Ian Desmond, he he pitched in Colorado. Ian Desmond said he reminded him of Jose Fernandez. Same kind of curveball that can break out. You you can't tell the difference between the curveball and the slider. And uh, if you can get that kind of ability on the mound and, uh, and harness it with an understanding of how to play the game, and uh, just relax and believe in your stuff. Berrios could be a, uh, a very good pitcher, and that could make this pennant race because, uh, you know, Irvin Santana, people are so surprised that Irvin Santana is, is doing so well. Well, if anybody's paying attention, he did this last year too in the second half of the year, so not a surprise. And uh, and as far as the Tigers are concerned, they're right in the pennant race. They just got, I mean, with between Zimmerman and Daniel Norris and Matt Boyd, Tiger fans got to have a, a conniption. But if they get some pitching help as well, uh, and I'll tell you what, I'll tell you, Cleveland, Minnesota, and, and, and Detroit with so many teams going to be looking to trade players by the trading deadline. Whoever gets the best pitching in this league, in this division, wins it. You know, and that's a league and a division that people said no one wanted to win but the Indians at the beginning yeah. of the season. Well, 
Well, I got news for you. But here's the thing. Let's go back to Berrios for a minute. Yeah. People are harping on his 55% fly ball rates. But you know what they don't say, and they should say, is that he's only had a 26% hard ball contact rate. That means balls ain't flying out of the yard. That means he's fooling people. The reason he's fooling people is what you brought up, is he's getting that first pitch strike. And once you get that, once you have the edge, the hammer on a major league hitter, you can do things with him. You know, fly ball rates and ground ball rates, um, you really, everybody spews them out. Every all the talk show hosts, oh, blind ball ground, and people don't even get it. You know that sometimes it's better to have a better fly ball rate than it is a ground ball rate. You realize that you hit a fly ball to the outfield, and it's easier to catch a fly ball than it is a hard hit ground ball. Absolutely, there's a, there's a difference between uh, a fly ball and a line drive. You know they separate those line drive rates, fly ball rates. Uh, you'll have a better chance with the speediness of the outfielders and the large dimensions in the outfield in every ballpark. You hit a fly ball, it's a lot easier to catch than some of these ground balls that are hit in the hole or hit with a spin. Or hit, you know, it's just a, it's not a bad thing to have a fly ball rate. Not bad at all, as long as you're keeping the ball in the ballpark. And that's what he's doing. So. Lay off Barrios, and analysts need to look at the whole picture. Right. Context means something. And in this case, he's fun to watch. Now, yep. you mentioned Irvin Santana. You know, he has been off to a hot start, 6-2. and two. One of the things that I'm noticing, though, is the walks are starting to creep in again. He's starting to give up a few more walks. Now, why do you say, what do you think that is? Well, I don't know what it is, but I know it's part of his history. So for right, whatever, whatever I mean, reason, yeah. but you know, look, he's gone at least six innings in every start this season, uh, and but, but Thursday uh, is when he pitched last. He uh, killed me Thursday, yeah, by the way. He allowed more than one run in in an. Uh, he, he was not. He was not impressed. He was not impressive. Okay, but he's entitled to that because he's been doing it since last year. People think that this year is some kind of a special Irvin Santana, but he's not. This is uh, it was just a, it's the second time uh, he, that he allowed more than one run in an outing. Second time he's been very impressive early in the season, uh, you know. But look, he can he gives up a lot of fly balls as well. Uh, strikeouts, you know, he has to strike out a lot of batters. But for fantasy baseball, that's you know that's not good. But we're not talking fan. We're talking real baseball. Strikeout. He pitches sometimes to contact. Tries to keep the uh, the pitches down so he can stay in the game longer. Irvin Santana. If Minnesota decides to hold on to him, and that's the catch here. There are so many teams in this division, with the White Sox and the Tigers, that are really walking on a tightrope as to whether or not they can get a bundle for Irvin Santana uh, to a, to a bona fide contender. Uh, the White Sox, you get a bundle for a lot of players. Uh, the, the, the Tigers could get a bundle for a couple of their guys. But do they do they get the bundle with the new collective bargaining agreement in place? It's kind of you're not going to get that number one draft pick. I don't know. So we'll see. But Irvin Santana, if you think that you're going to uh, say that Minnesota is overachieving because of Santana, that's not true. He's been doing this for most most of his career. Sample sizes and context means everything. Right. Whether you're a fan or you're playing fantasy baseball or an analyst or whatever, you got to have some context. And this is what he did from the second half of last season. 
Now, I get nervous about the walks. Maybe I'm just pissed because uh, I had him on Thursday. But he they left him out there. They trust him, and that's a good thing. But one pitcher people are talking about, and, you know, again, context, is Julio Terahan. Now, he's almost allowing Lenny five bombs per nine at home to left-handed hitters. But look at the context. Again, the ball is flying out of the right field seats, into the right field seats. Lefties are having a field day over there. Freddie Freeman is probably disappointed as hell that he got hurt because he's having a great season, or was until he got hurt. But Julio Terahan, do you worry about him? Uh, yeah, no question about it. And I worry about the entire pitching staff in Atlanta. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, well, well, by the way, I know that they are in the market. This could be the first team to go out and grab a starting pitcher, All right, even with the injury to Freddie Freeman. You mean uh, R.A. Dickey and Bartolo Colon aren't cutting it? No, that, it's not working out. Okay. And, and Jaime and, Garcia, that's not working out either? And these guys were all placeholders, so they're not going to go out and get a youngster. they got a ton of good young prospects ready to come up, but they're not going to rush them. So they want some kind of a – they, they want a, you know somebody who can help them uh, get the wild card spot in this National League. So uh, we'll see about that. But, you know, Chipper Jones was on a tour of SunTrust Park before the season started. You take a look at the dimensions, and there's nothing special that uh, jumps off the page. But when Chipper was in the outfield, then he opened up a door to, uh, you know, get to some uh, room or whatever he opened up. He said the, the, the wind current out there almost took him through the door. He said it was under. At that point, he knew right away that the ball would be flying out, but it's not because of the stadium dimensions. It's because of the wind currents that's out there. And as a result, um, it's been awful. He's, you know, uh, Julio Turan on the road's got an ERA of under one. Uh, he hasn't given up a home run to lefties either. Yeah, and, and he's got an ERA of over 10 in five home starts that I looked at. So, <laughs> look, it's going to be tough. There's no question about it. Uh, here's a, it was an up-and-coming pitcher who was supposed to be a star. And uh, this year was supposed to be, you know, he's made the all-star team and the whole deal. But uh, it's going to be a very strange season in Atlanta. Remember when the old, uh, what was it called? It, was, it wasn't called Turner. Was it called Turner Field? Yeah, yes, maybe it was. Maybe it was. For a long time. And then they had a, so Turner Field was known as the launching pad for years. Yes, it was. Okay. Until guys like Maddox and, and, and Glavin and Small, all of a sudden, it was no longer the launching pad because they had some great pitchers in there. So, uh, But I, I don't think Julio Turan is going to be counted on to be a great pitcher this year. You know what? If he pitches on the road, he will be. Because here's the thing. You mentioned his ERA is like 10.50 in 24 innings pitched at home. On the road, he's pitched 25.1 innings, yeah. and his ERA is 0.71 yeah, but the problem there is Atlanta's played the fewest home games of any team. So <laughs> I know that sucks too. But still, though, if he's on the road and you have, if you're playing fantasy baseball, we're talking real baseball. But if you are playing fantasy baseball and if you do have him and he gets a road start, that might be your place to put him in because not at home because he's getting massacred. But Tyson Ross is on a rehab assignment. It begins Tuesday. What can you tell us about Tyson Ross? Well, here's it's you know I'm going to talk about I'll tell you about Tyson Ross since you asked me, but I'm not going to I'm not going to talk about Tyson Ross. Why? Because this here's the here's the thing, you know I live in New York, okay, and that's mm-hmm. and that says it all. In New York, you're, you're, the expectations for everything 
are enormous. So Tyson Ross, a pitcher who had thoracic outlet syndrome, uh, was scheduled to join uh, Texas in Detroit this weekend. Uh, but he, here's what he, he had a 65-pitch outing in Arizona where they kept him in Arizona to continue pitching and extended spring training. Yeah, he struck out about five or six, didn't walk anybody. So he's ready to go, right? He's ready to go. And here we are in the month of May, uh, and he's ready to go. And yet Met fans across the country and in New York City are expecting Matt Harvey, who had the same thing uh, that Tyson Ross, and they expect Harvey to have uh, to be throwing 95 to 150 miles an hour and dominating ball games. And yet, and that uh, Tyson Ross, who did sign with Texas because he felt they had more history with thoracic outlets uh, recovery, and uh, so that's why he went there, even though he was heavily recruited by Washington to pitch with his brother on a team that has absolutely no depth in the rotation. He could have been a big factor there. I would believe if even if they offered him more money. But so it's not – so Tyson Ross is getting ready to pitch. But the big thing that uh, I think of when you mention Tyson Ross is how the Mets are handling Matt Harvey, uh, allowing the expectations and hyping him up. Matt Harvey's back, the Black Knight, the Road War, whatever his name is. Uh, it's the Dark Knight. The Dark Knight. It's bulldinky. It's not – you can't <laughs> have it. Come on, how could one guy, unless there's something that I'm missing here, and so far I've asked a lot of people, no, it's basically the same thing, that has ruined a lot of careers, by the way. Josh Beckett was never the same. Uh, Carpenter from uh, St. Louis, he was never the same. A lot of guys have never come back. Uh, and to think that Matt Harvey's expected to be an ace when Tyson Ross, who had the same uh, injury, uh, is just getting ready to throw now, somebody better wake up and pay attention. I think so too, and, and it's unfair. I thought I'm a Mets fan, as you are, and you're right. You know, Mets fans expected a lot from Matt Harvey. It didn't pan out. People are going to be expecting a lot from Tyson Ross. I hope it, I hope his fate is different. But history is a great teacher, and it's a difficult surgery to bounce back from. And that's I hope he does though. I like Tyson Ross. He's a good kid too. So we'll see. But you know what? This one here. This is this is amazing to me. Herman Marquez. Now listen to this. This guy has this amazing home record. He pitches for the Colorado Rockies, in case you were wondering. And there it's a launching pad. You want to talk about launching pads? It's a launching pad there. He's faced at home Chicago, Arizona, and Washington. And his record is, as it should be, one and two. But he has not really gotten bombed by these teams. Arizona rocked him. But Washington didn't. He's only given up three home runs in his starts at home. What do you say about Herman Marquez? I want to say German. Yeah, well, whatever. You know, wherever he's 22 years old. Let's just keep it at that, all right? And he was, I'll tell you, against the Cubs, he was really impressive through it. Very impressive. Eight innings, uh, all right? And then he had another start that, uh, that, look, he's pitched good. But Coors is still his home field. Dan O'Dowd, the former general manager of the uh, of the Colorado Rockies told me the way the only way to build a pitching staff in Colorado is to be patient with the young people and as they come up through the system show them how to teach them how to pitch at course field and uh, and you see it's finally paying off 
uh, you know, um, all the young pitchers that are pitching so well have put Colorado in a great spot. Whether or not they can keep it up, we who knows, okay? Uh, but I, I t- I'll tell you what, this kid Marquez has looked good. But the key is teaching kids how to pitch rather than go out and get a, uh, you know, a Mike Hampton or, or somebody and bring them to Coors Field and let them pitch the way they've had success in the past. No, you have to pitch a little differently out there. The bullpen guys, they are, are going after all the guys who can throw 150 miles an hour. That's what, they, that's what they do with their bullpen guys. But their starting pitchers, it's not how fast they throw. It's how much they can keep the batters off balance. And that's why you take a look at Major League Baseball now. Everybody's used to guys throwing 150 miles an hour. But it's the guys with the change-ups that can uh, command that change-up and keep the batters off balance. Those are the guys doing well. So let's see if Marquez can keep it up. He's only 22. You know, one of the things I look at when I see a young pitcher, I look to see who drafted them. That's good. That's good. He's a Tampa. Yeah. He's a Tampa Bay Rays product. Uh, I don't think. I think we could spend the rest of this show talking about all the young pitchers that they've yes. developed. That is something to be. That is a sight to be seen. Uh, Jason Collette talked to me about that years ago on this show when I was still in mm-hmm. Greece. And the thing is, is. That's important. Those kids, for whatever reason they do over there, they learn how to pitch, and they are very good at finding these young arms and bringing them up and developing them. It's a beautiful thing to see, and I like this kid. It's disappointing that he's pitching in Colorado because it is a different environment altogether, (coughs) and like I said, he's had some tough teams to face and he's handled them very well especially the Cubs yep. <clears throat> you know, the Diamondbacks are murdering everybody but uh, one pitcher that I jinxed and I know that I jinxed him I jinxed him on this show two seasons ago I thought Sonny Gray would be a Cy Young candidate and so far he's more like Sayonara than Cy Young and this season alone he's back and he's, re- he's still trying to find his way but something that concerns me, Lenny, he's offering up to lefties, someone that he's dominated in his career. They are walking two. He's walking two more hitters a game, up to five hitters a game, lefties, than than his career. His career best was like three, four, six, or something. Yeah. What's the story? Hey, with well, Ray? he's only had a couple of games, but what? See, I look a little uh, uh, past the statistics. I take a look at this. Here's a kid who surrendered two runs and gave up three hits and a walk in the first inning. And you think right away, all right, that takes care of Sonny Gray. Uh, we got to go back to square one. But then he settled down and allowed only a home run the, west, the rest of the way, getting, uh, what, his six ground ball outs, uh, got a fair amount of strikeouts. But the thing that, that impressed me the most, he got off to that bad start given up the quick two runs, and then settled into pitching a good game. That is usually the the uh, jump-off point. That's when these guys, I wouldn't be surprised if he pitches well. Uh, you know, look, his numbers aren't so impressive. He's got close to a four ERA, whatever he is. Uh, but he did throw uh, 100 pitches, two starts in a row. And the fact that he came around after starting off with a bad first inning, that tells me that Sonny Gray is going to be a very good pitcher from here on in. The only question is, is Billy Bean on the phone right now, uh, what team is he going to be pitching for? That's the only question. Oh, he'll be gone for sure. That's the style of 
of uh, management they have over there. He struck eight Red Sox hitters two nights ago. Yeah, so he doesn't strike up. He does. He's not a strikeout pitcher. For him to do that, I think he's back. But I, I again, those walks make me nervous. I don't like walks unless, of course, they have a low home run rate, and he's offering up one point five nine per nine. I could deal with that, I suppose. Yeah, we're going to have to. The name of the game, though, you're talking Major League Baseball. He, he's good enough to be a winning pitcher, and that's that's really why we play the game. For fantasy baseball, uh, he'll be you know he'll be serviceable at best. He'll be he'll be uh, more than serviceable. But if he's serviceable in today's game with all the home runs and all the pitchers getting clobbered, uh, you know he's got he's got a value. He does. You know who had value at the beginning of the season? People were gaga over this guy, Dylan Bundy. Now he's still five and two, but how? 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 How is he five and two? Last year, uh, you know, look. Last year there was some questions about the uh, health of his arm, so he shut down his best pitch. Best pitch was a slider. You shut down your best pitch, you got to start, you know, figuring it out again. And he had a hard time last year. So this year he brings back a slider, which tells me that he, you know, he's feeling good. Uh, he allowed, what, three runs or less in his first, in each of his first eight games. And then, of course, last Thursday he, uh, you know, he gave up some runs. But, uh, you know, I'll tell you something. He, uh, uh, he, he hasn't been striking out a lot of batters. People look for the strikeouts. But this kid who has now been able to pitch with his best pitch is going to be once again. Will he be a star? Probably not. Will he live up to the expectations we first had when guys like Dylan Bundy first entered the scene? No, but he'll be more than serviceable this year, pitching for an offense that hopefully will get him ahead of the game to allow him to pitch with some confidence and let him mix it up a little bit. Once he starts doing that, you got a pretty good uh, pitcher there. And he faced Detroit last time out. That was a, you know, it, was a, it, was a, it was a pretty good offense that he faced. So let's give him a little pass on that game. You mentioned the slider. 2012 with the Orioles, he didn't throw it yeah, at all. Yeah, he shut it down. 2016, he pitched for the Orioles. He didn't throw yeah. it at all. This season, he's thrown it 21% no. of the time. And he's got that backup pitch, and that's a nice thing. He's also thrown his changeup less than ever and maybe that's got a lot to do with what he's doing and he's throwing the curveball a lot less he's relying on the slider he's healthy and the slider is the toughest pitcher on a pitcher's arm so not only do you see you know you look at this he's throwing a slider he's not throwing uh, this he's not throwing that but do people know what that means if he has brought back the slider it shows you that maybe last year and the year before there was some concern about his arm condition the fact that he's brought it back now and throwing it, even if it's 20%, 25% of the time, it tells me one thing, that he, his arm is feeling good. And with the talent that he has, once again, you got a very serviceable pitcher here. Very serviceable. I, I think so. Now, uh, he's not my cup of tea because he makes me nervous, but that's that's neither here nor there. He's doing what he needs to do. If you're playing in a season-long league, if you're a Baltimore Orioles fan, you should be very happy yes. with this kid. Now, rookie is a rookie is a rookie. There's a lot of hubbub oh, over Ian Happ. <laughs> a 
A lot of hubbub. A lot of a lot of people talking about Ian Happ. He run into the waiver wires and signing him up. We saw this coming a while ago, but did we see what he's doing coming? Yeah, well, when I last looked, I mean, he reached base uh, about 50% of the time. Okay, hit a couple of home runs, the whole deal. Uh, he's impressive. He's a switch hitter. He's impressive because the fact that uh, we, we have seen him in one game. He played center field. He played left field. Then you see him, he's going to play some first base. He's going to play some third base. This is what uh, This is what the Cubs love. This is what the Cubs have, you know, between the Javier Baez and uh, – just about everybody, uh, Chris Bryant. Uh, these guys move around. Uh, Danny Listella is probably going to be the guy who the Cubs cut when Jason Hayward comes back. But uh, you can bet your pippy that, that Ian Happ is going to get is going to get playing time. Absolutely, and you could. And he's batting. He was batting fourth in the lineup. So you have a guy yeah. who was hitting, playing multiple positions, and batting fourth or fifth. Why would anybody think that he was going to get sent down if he's hitting? Why? There's no reason for it. I mean, be you know, people watch baseball, but sometimes, uh, sometimes they don't think. If the guy's batting in the heart of the order and doing well, and and you know, I mean, his his natural position is second base. He can play second, first. He can play third. He plays played the outfield. There was no reason other than the fact that he's a he's a youngster and people think he's just up for a cup of coffee or because, you know, it was first reported they're bringing him up because Jason Haywood was going on the DL and what's going to happen when Haywood comes back. Well, Daniel Estella is gone. So don't think for one second. And now Javier Baez, he's starting to hit. There was trade rumors. Oh, maybe they'll trade Baez to Tampa. We've heard that for a couple of years. Ian Happ is there. And look. It's not that – I mean, they need them. The Cubs aren't exactly killing it this year. They could use a little fresh blood in that lineup. So there's no way that Ian Happ is going down uh, until he starts to go into a big slump. So enjoy what you see. He's a natural hitter, and, uh, you know, he's going to be uh, he's going to be up there doing his thing for a while. He's got a 6% soft contact rate. It means he's not getting full. Well, it means he's a good hitter. <laughs> it means he's a good hitter. Right? I, yeah. He's not getting fooled. I okay. love the sabermetrics, and I love the whole thing, and people look at all the stats. But, you know, to put it simply, this is not a save. He's he's batting fourth, he's playing multiple positions, and he's doing well. I don't know what you want to call that sabermetric. It's called maybe uh, you – let's see. Uh, we'll call that you – you are U-U-B, good. U U B using your brain. Yeah. Okay, U Y B. Using right? your brain. U Y B. Use your brain. Middle U-Y-B. of the line. Yeah, Use middle of the brain. lineup, hitting good, playing anywhere the manager wants him to play, giving guys a, a break, uh, putting you know, giving Zobrist a break, giving Baez a break, giving all these guys a break. Uh, use your brain. He ain't going down. He ain't going down. Why would he? The thing too is with Joe Madden. He uses these guys. Look at all the different ways he used well, Addison Russell when he brought him up. Javier Baez. He's got Chris Bryant playing in yep. the outfield. He's got all these guys doing all kinds of things. Versatility matters to yeah. that team. And they are good. Now we got one more rookie here for it. Well, let's, you know what? Let's do two. Well, okay. Two, two, what, 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 <laughs> yeah, let's play two. Yeah, my old friend. Ahmad. Rosario is the Mets 
fans' newest hope they want to latch on to. But I heard the other day from Mark Herrick of Newsday that he ain't coming up anytime soon. What are we Offensively, he may be one of the best defensive shortstops in baseball. Now, so he's ready. Sometimes we look and we see, oh, this guy's hitting 400. He's hitting home runs. How come they don't bring him up? Well, maybe he needs a little bit more work playing his position. That's not the case with Rosario, so why don't they bring him up? Uh, they're using when the only reason that they're not bringing him up that they give is because he only has 11 walks and 172 plate appearances. You you put a guy who's an all-star defensively who's hitting about uh, 370, something like that, and you tell me the reason he's not coming up is because he's not walking enough? I mean, come on. So put him, you know what? So give him a couple of hours every day of standing at a home plate without swinging. All right, that's it. Just stay. Oh, look, I'm right. I want you to come over here for the next hour. I want you to take batting practice. But here's one thing. You can't swing. All right? Is that, how are they going to teach him how to take walks? He's got to come up to the major leagues and learn the major league strike zone. Cabrera on the DL. They put Reyes there at shortstop just to see what would happen. There's a Super 2 date and all that stuff. As soon, I don't know. I don't want to get into that. But as soon as he's eligible to come in, the Mets know they can already save a year. Uh, he'll be up. He's going to be. I saw this kid play in, in uh, Binghamton uh, last year. Andy and I went up to see him, and um, well, t- to see the team. We happened to be in Binghamton, and um, this kid walk. I, I knew who he was, but I didn't know who he was. So I see a guy walk on the field, and I said to Andy, "He had the program." Whose number, whatever number he was, who is that guy? And sure enough, that was Rosario. And the reason I asked was because it looked like a man among boys. He just looked different than everybody else. I don't know why. He looked like he didn't belong. Uh, I also saw Dominic Smith, the other Met uh, uh, hotshot, who when he walked on the field, I said, is he the groundskeeper or is he the player? Because he was about 30 pounds overweight. But what I saw in Rosario was just somebody who – uh, jumped off the page. The only question I had just by seeing him in one game was, how good is he going to be? That I don't know, but I know he's going to be good. And he'll be up soon. Yeah, they like to say yeah, those be. things, though. You yeah. know, front offices like to say those things. They don't really want to tip their hand too much, but it's pretty obvious to kick and play. Yeah. We saw him in the spring, for goodness sakes. He'll be, he'll be up soon. Yes. And, and the Mets are really reeling right now. They need somebody to... Uh, how do I put it, to um, stir the interest of the fans. And Matt yeah. Harvey, he's probably praying to uh, Joba, please bring him up so people stop watching me. Lenny, Look. great stuff today. Thank you so Met- much for being here. Thank you for being my oh, great friend you. and mentor. I appreciate you so much. Thanks for being here. Anytime, any place, anywhere. For the great Phil, all I'm looking for is just to uh, hit my left-handed serve to you and say, hey, you're pretty good. Yeah, that's all what right? I'll do. I'll do that for okay. sure. But here's the thing. Before you go, though, Lenny Melnick has a fantasy sports site called Lenny Melnick Fantasy Sports. One of the things I want to recommend to people is that they come to your site and listen. And listen to the shows. But more importantly, you have a chatter column that you do every day that I read every day, and it's fantastic. You want to tell us about that? Well, there's a couple of things. The chatter column, we spend hours early in the morning. I'm lucky to say I'm the luckiest guy in town. 
who wants to get up at four o'clock in the morning so we can get this chatter column uh, going. Three or four hours of work. We also use it to talk in, in the podcast. It's updated every day. There's nothing about Major League Baseball that you're going to miss. Some good inside information. Andrea does a great job of taking the straight type that I give her and turning it into a, a movie. All right? It's great. It's unbelievable. So take a look at that. But what we're most proud of is the fact that we don't have a website. We have a community. And uh, yesterday I was in Manhattan at the Sirius Studios with a meeting with the uh, Sirius uh, people. And we can't, they're interested they love my community. It's not my community, the community that we have developed. And what they're going to do now, and this may start next weekend, is on my show, which you'll hear 7 to 10 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, I think we'll do it this weekend, too. We'll see. Is to incorporate our chat room so that they like the fact that not only do the listeners get to call in the host, but they get to talk among themselves. And that is the new wave of fantasy sports not just calling up your fantasy expert whoever he may claim to be uh and and rely on him but come into the chat room listen to the fantasy guru talk about his spiel whatever being able to talk to him and listen you got some very educated people anybody who's going to sit in the chat room for any length of time you know that they're a fantasy sports diehard and I'll tell you something else. It's not just fantasy sports. You want to come in and talk baseball or football just in general? I'll tell you what. It's the greatest community I've ever seen. And now we're taking it to the next level. We're going to put it on Sirius XM satellite radio and so that the fans can interact among themselves in addition to interacting with the host. That's a fantastic idea, too. I wish you all the best with that for sure. Yeah. I it's think gonna it's, be interesting. It'll be it'll interesting because it's it's a different kind of concept. It's one that you you do well, and you can catch that every day, Monday through Friday at nine a.m. at Lenny Melnick Fantasy Sports. Sometimes I show up too, just to uh, rip on the people. <laughs> but anyway, thank you so much. It's the energy you give me, energy uh, just like the Cleveland fans have to do. Well, they have I no see energy. Phil, in the, Phil comes to the chat room, and it's energy, man. Well, thank you, Phil. It's because I'm trying to critique you, and it's not nice. But I, I like to have some fun anyway, man. I'll tell you, it's been a pleasure having you here. Show number 1351 is in the books. For Lenny Melnick, I'm Phil Nasons. Until next time, you all take care of yourselves. Be good, and most importantly... Ladies and gentlemen, my mother thanks you, my father thanks you, my sister thanks you, and I thank you. <laughs>